We ready for some church? Sorry, I guess I'm not ready. Now I am. Hey, so Philip and I, you guys know Philip, big, tall, handsome, sing, sings some songs. Uh, about a couple months ago or so, we decided that we were going to become golfers. You've heard about it every week since then from Perry and Philip. But there was this one day he calls me up in the morning. He says, hey, man, you want to go golfing? I was like, I mean, I got nothing to do, so I guess. Like, and I, I, had, I had, like, these really old, terrible clubs, this, like, ratty golf bag, like some Kirkland brand golf balls, you know, like random stuff that well, is not supposed to be used. But I'm like, sure, whatever, you know. And so we go and play around at golf, and I'm not kidding you, that day – for Philip and I was the start of a serious addiction. We need a lot of prayer. It's, it's obsession at this point, it really is. We're talking about out there, back there, it's bad. But <laughs> that's kind of how I am actually. Like when I get into a hobby, I am a little bit like obsessive with my hobbies. So like over the last like 10 years, I've probably had like 15 different hobbies that like when I get interested in something, I'm like, I'm going to YouTube, Google, reading books, all this, like it's bad. And so recently I started in, in, in the aim to become a good golfer, which is an impo- just an impossible feat, it seems like. I have started listening to this podcast. And this podcast, it's essentially two like 40-year-old guys who have been playing golf for like over 20 years. And they have this goal to become scratch golfers is what it's called. In other words, they, they want to go from being like average to really good. And so in the first episode of this podcast, they kind of lay out that goal, like this is what we want to do in, in a year. And then the next episode, they kind of lay out their, their plan. This is how we're going to achieve that goal. And it was really interesting. Going in, I, I thought like, you know, they're, gonna, they're probably going to say things like, I'm going to buy new clubs. You know, I, I'm going to buy a membership to a course. I'm going to play more, you know, stuff like that. And when they started kind of like laying out their plan to become really good golfers, it was really interesting. One guy, he, one of his listed items was that he was going to do yoga every day for a year and then his friend made a lot of fun of him for that the other guy was like I need to lose I need to go on a a diet I need to lose 20 pounds you know they both had kind of agreed we're not going to watch YouTube videos to try to fix our golf swings and it was just like things that I didn't really expect because basically what they were saying was we in order for us to achieve our goal of what we want we want essentially more in our golf game we actually have to get really good at doing the little every day, sometimes boring, sometimes mundane things that are going to actually help us get to where we want to be. It was really interesting to me. So about, I don't know, a couple months ago or so, I was, me and Perry, we were getting lunch. We love Sullivan's, great place. And we're sitting there and he was kind of laying out his, his, his vision for this series that we've been in for a couple weeks now. And I remember him kind of telling me, like, I want to I wanna do a series where we kind of revisit some of, like, I guess the basics of Christianity. So, like, last week we did baptism, you know, and then we're going to baptize people next week. And so I remember in this conversation where he's like, I really want to just go back to the basics and kind of, like, explain them. Why do we do them? You know, what is the benefit of doing these things? And I remember during this conversation, I'm sitting there, and have, have you ever had... God kind of like lay something on your heart and it, it like kind of annoys you. <laughs> this was me in this moment. God kind of lays this on my heart right there in this meeting that I, he, I felt like he wanted me to talk about 
today our personal time we spend with God. Our daily personal time. Stuff like reading the Bible, prayer, stuff like that. And again, I was, I was annoyed. Because <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, come on, man. I get to speak like once a year. Can't you give me something sweet? Like lights out, you know, we shoot fire up from the stage. Everybody gets saved. Like that's what I was shooting for, Jesus. And he's like, no, I want you to talk about this. So that's what I want to do today. And I think that part of us in our life actually getting more of this, more of more, is learning how to do these actual everyday, sometimes boring, if we're being honest, mundane things that are actually going to, I think, be building blocks for us to get what we really want in our life, which is, I think, more. And so I want to spend some time talking about that today, if that's cool with y'all. If not, we'll just go to lunch, I guess. Oh, this is my remote. So I want to read us a story. This is a story about Jesus and it's the only story we have about Jesus other than like his birth from his childhood. And it's really interesting. I think this is going to teach us a little bit today. So I'll just read this. It's Luke 22, 41 through 51. Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So this is just a Jewish holiday. It would have been about like 90-ish miles away from their hometown on foot or on a donkey. So every year they would go for this. When Jesus was 12... They attended the festival as usual. So Jesus is 12. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. (laughs) We'll talk about that in a second. (laughs) Because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him there. Three days later, three days, he's gone. This is Jesus. He's gone. They finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, Why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search, Jesus asked. Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant. Then he returned to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, and his mother stored all these things in her heart. Now, a couple things I I, I notice about this story just right off the bat. One, I'm thinking, God, did you choose the right parents Right? Like, this is Jesus, Savior of the world, Immaculate Conception, like, Mary knew. And they lose Jesus. That makes no sense to me. For three days. It's crazy. Someone called DSS. But the second thing that, that fascinates me about this passage is, and I think we forget sometimes, you know, like, we, we celebrate Christmas, and then if you read the Bible, you just kind of, like, skip 30 years. 30 years ahead. And you forget that, like, Jesus had kind of a journey to get to where he started. He got baptized and then started his ministry. In this story, he's 12. 12 years old. It would have been 18 years before he was even baptized and done his first miracle, at least that we know of. And what was Jesus doing for all these years while he prepared for his public ministry? He was reading the Bible, he was praying, and he was studying and learning from people. 
And that's really cool to me. This is like this is Jesus, fully God, fully man. You would think like he just probably has all the answers in, he- in his head already, but he spends all these years studying scripture, praying, and learning. And I don't know about y'all, but if that's important to Jesus in his life, how much more important should that be to us in our life? And so today, I, I want to kind of take a little bit of a journey. I've got like two kind of, I guess, topics, points, whatever you want to call them. I want to talk about when it comes to this, this area of like how we spend time alone with Jesus. Some people call it quiet time. I think that's really weird. I call it TOG, T-A-W-G, time alone with God. That was free. All right, first point number one. Low and slow. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this question. When I say barbecue, I'm, I'm, in, I'm from the north, but I'm with Perry on this. There's a pig that's dead, there's smoke, and there's a lot of time. That's what I mean when I say barbecue. Okay, so, so when I say that, how many of you in the room, you love to barbecue? Yeah, 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 yeah. When I, when I was talking about like my obsessive uh, um, ha- hobby thing earlier, a few years ago, this was one of mine. I like bought the smoker and everything. I was bringing home like $40 pieces of meat every, every single day and Addie was probably ready to kick me out of the house. But there's something beautiful about barbecue it, where you take this traditionally like really tough piece of meat and over time, lowly and slowly, at a low temperature, the, the smoke and the heat starts to actually break down some of the fibrous and connective tissues in these meats. And then 8, 12, however many hours later, out comes this unbelievably beautiful, smoky, wonderful piece of tenderness. <laughs> I'm, I'm salivating talking about it, actually. But it, it only happens low and slow, right? Those of you that have done this, it, it has to be low and slow. Now, if I invited you for a barbecue at my house and you came over and I took the 12 pound brisket and threw it up in the microwave, (laughs) you'd be like, bro, what the heck are you doing? This is not right. But I I think sometimes in life we have this like kind of microwave mentality, right? Where it's like life is, it's so fast. And I think sometimes, especially I do this too. It's like, man, I want what I want and I want it now. I want what I want, and I want it now. And I think sometimes we do this with the Bible, too, and prayer. It's like, have, you, have y'all ever had one of those moments where you, like, grab a Bible, and you shut your eyes, and show me something? You just open to a random page, and you just, it's like Song of Solomon, and you're like, he did what to her? Like, <laughs> is this what I, is, are you speaking to me, Lord? Like, what? You ever done that random page thing? And we kind of expect, like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'll spend some time with Jesus. And I think if we're being really honest, there's a lot of those times where you're like, I don't get it. I didn't get anything out of it. I didn't understand what it said. Where do I start? How long am I supposed to read? How, what am I supposed to pray for? How long am I supposed to pray? You know what I mean? Do you feel that? I, I feel like we've all been in those moments before. But what I'm trying to say is that our time spent with Jesus, if we truly want to get to this place where, where we have more more Jesus, more grace, more love, more mercy, just more in our lives. I think this process of learning how to read and pray and spend time with Jesus is really low and slow. It takes time for the understanding to come. It takes time for the, for the, for the voice that you hear inside your head that is hopefully God. It takes time for the, that juice, 
you know, the, the tenderness, all that stuff to come to fruition when it comes with your relationship with Jesus and spending personal time with him. You know, Perry really annoyed me recently. <laughs> I'll just have to tell you all about it. Um, like, I don't know, three, six months ago or so, he, he kept getting up here to preach on Sundays, and he kept using this phrase, maybe, maybe you caught this, I don't know, but he would say, he would come up here and he'd be like pre preaching real good, and he would say, you know, I was reading the Bible the other day, and I saw something I've never seen. I'm like, bro, I've been seeing the same things over and over. What are you doing different? <laughs> and I, I, I kind of realized as I was thinking about that, Perry has been reading the Bible for over 30 years. Over 30 years. And most of those years, every single day. And it was funny, I, I actually asked him recently at lunch, I was like, dude, tell me about like your routine. What do you do? And basically it involved hours of, you know, prayer and reading and journaling. And he's like, what do you do? I go five minutes on the toilet in the morning. I don't like. <laughs> but all that to say, like, the, the understanding and that, 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 just that knowledge that I think we desire from people like Pastor P comes at a cost of time. You all want to hear a dog story? <laughs> so Addie and I, we had a dog. Well, we have a dog, sorry. We have a dog, and his name's Jax. He's cute. He's a golden retriever, very snuggly, very chubby. We're working on it. Don't judge me. Um, and, you know, one day we had some friends that posted a picture of this, this cute little puppy on their Instagram and said, this puppy needs a home. And, you know, we, so, Addie, you know, me and Addie, we're the most impulsive people on the planet. And so, I, you know, I'm like, babe, look at this dog. You know, she's like, oh, let's go meet it. And then we got in the car. <laughs> and you all know, once you're in the car, you're bringing home an animal, Right. <laughs> You're screwed at that point. So we get in the car, we drive to Greenville, and we, we meet these people, and we meet this puppy. We quickly found out the puppy is six months old, which means it's a puppy, but it's full size already. And not only that, it, this is like a rescue dog, and we didn't realize that at first. This dog, it's actually a really sad story. He had been like living on his own outside this apartment, but like finding food and burying it for himself, and he had like this little bed he laid in. It was really, really cute. I know. Aw. Just wait, it gets worse, though. So we bring this dog home, and for the first, like, two weeks, I, I'm dead, I wanted to cl climb our roof and jump off. He, this do he destroyed almost every one of our, win our blinds on our windows. We don't have any blinds anymore. He chewed up carpet all over the place, all over our house. He, not, not even just one crate, but two. We, we bought two crates for him. The first one, he literally broke the metal to get out and chewed more carpet. And the next day we get him another one, he breaks it again. We had to get this dog a literal prison cell. I, the bars are like thick, he can't get out now. <laughs> but over time, as I, as I like, you know, the dog's in our family now. I named him Preacher, by the way, kinda cool, huh? He's a naughty preacher. <laughs> Bad boy. Um, over time, you know, as we worked with him, as we, you know, are living with this dog, as he's getting used to, like, a new life and all this stuff, we, I slowly start to kind of like the dog. You know, he's cute. Then I, more time passes, and I'm like, I think I love the dog. I think I consider him like a son. And then, you know, time pa the more time passes, I'm actually starting to love this dog. 
even though he's a bad boy. <laughs> My point is like, I think so often we want this, this, this relationship with God that we, maybe we've seen other people have. And the, the reality is, is that uh, having a loving, true, awesome relationship with God is step by step by step by step by step by step. And it's one of those things where it's like you take such a small step that you, you don't really know that you've moved. But over the course of a year, five years, ten years, you look back and you're so far away from where you came. And over time, I think we fall more in love with Jesus when we, when we just commit to spending time with him in his word and prayer. And, and, and if we really want more in our lives, I think this, we have to commit ourselves to this low and slow process. Deal? Point number two. Pave new pathways. Um, there's, this, there's things in your brain in our brains, called neuropathways. Um, essentially what we've learned from neuroscience and just really smart people is that our brains are essentially inherently kind of lazy. And your brain, when it sends like a synapse or an electrical signal to some other place in your body, will actually, it wants to take the, the path of least resistance, if that makes sense. And, and, and what happens is over time, the more often you have that, that same thought, the more often you make that same decision, the more often you, you do that thing, whatever it is, the, the path gets like wider. So it's like going from like a dirt path to like a highway so that it can send signals faster and easier. This is how I'll illustrate this. When I was in college, um, you know, college students, we walk everywhere, right? You walk to class, you walk to lunch to the gym, to practice, whatever, you just walk. And when I got there, I noticed that there was like sidewalks everywhere to walk on. But also in between these sidewalks, like caddy corner of these sidewalks were like kind of worn out paths where students, like if I had to go from like the, the cafeteria to the science building, I wouldn't take the, the, the sidewalks, I just cut through the grass. And over time, years and years, these, these paths started to become like dirt paths, honestly. And then one summer, after, well, one after, after one of my summers when I came back in the fall, I, we had noticed that the, the school had actually paved into place some of these dirt paths. They, you know, they're like, well, they're walking there anyway. We might as well put a sidewalk there, you know? And it, this is kind of what happens with our brains. When I continue to choose something, it actually sort of like paves a path in my brain towards that action or towards that thought. And so, for instance, if I'm a person that worries a lot and something happens, to, something bad happens or something's coming up or, or any of that, our brains literally say, oh, the e something wrong is going on, the easiest, the easiest solution is worry. That's the quickest path. Or if, I, or if I choose anger often and somebody cuts me off in traffic, my brain's literally like, oh, the easiest thing for us to do, to do right now is just to be mad just to get angry. Or if, I, or if I'm, I'm stressed often, when, when, when I have a lot on my plate, my, my brain, the easiest thing, the thing it's used to is to, is to say, just be stressed. And I'm kind of like, man, what if, what if not, what if in my brain, when something happened to me, my first instinct, the easiest path for my brain to take was something like peace. 
Like, what if something crazy started happening in my life, and the first thing that my brain goes, the easiest path to take is peace? Wouldn't you want that? There's a sweet, sweet Bible verse in Romans, in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 12, verse 2. This is a guy named Paul who's writing a letter to people in Rome 2,000 years ago. This is what he says. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. I love this. This, is before, this was written a long time ago before we even had science or anything really, or modern science at least. Is Paul, he knows that if, if you want your life to change, if you want more in life, it has to start here. It has to start right up here with what goes on in here. Some translations say, um, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Maybe you've heard that before. I love the word renewing. And I think what happens when we actually sit down and start to regularly spend time with Jesus on a regular basis in prayer and in reading and all these things is that this process actually gets kick-started into place. Is these old pathways that I used to have, where I used to go to anger, I used to go to stress, I used to go to anxiety, I used to go to regret, I used to go to, you name it, is, is, is now being changed by God through the reading of scripture, through my prayer. And, and through this, we actually start to carve new pathways in our brain, literally. And for me in my life, I don't know about you guys, but I want, if, if something is crazy in my life, I want my brain to have to climb a freaking mountain to get to stress, worry, fear, anger, all those things. I want it to be hard for me to get there and easy for me to choose things like patience and love and mercy and grace, right? And so when we start to, to open up our Bibles, when we start to, to, to regularly pray, these are the things that God actually starts doing in our lives. And he starts renewing our minds. Now, I, I wrote down seven things, seven characteristics of a person with a renewed mind. These are things that, we'll, I guess, we're shooting for, or these are just traits of a, of a person that, that has allowed God to really just renew their minds. Okay, you might want to write these down, because last service, a lot of people asked me for them, and I said maybe later. <laughs> okay, number one. A person with a renewed mind lives a hopeful life. Have you ever met somebody like this? <laughs> They're kind of fun. I don't, it's this awkward thing between like, are you crazy or do I want to be like you? You know what I mean? <laughs> I kind of want it, but I, I don't, I don't know. A person that, that follows Jesus and knows God really well, knows who's in control, right? If I'm close to the person in control, that means that no matter what happens in my life, I know that I can be hopeful that the best is yet to come. Even if it's all going crazy, I know that something better because God is good and he's my father, that if stuff sucks now, something better is coming. And when I'm constantly in the word of God, refreshing my mind, letting it wash over me, this is something that is more apparent to me in my life, that even if I don't like what's going on now, I have hope for the future, right? And that's a good thing. A person with a renewed mind lives a hopeful life. Number two, you believe that the impossible is, imp the impossible is possible. 
You believe, when you're close to Jesus, you've seen what he can do, right? I, even just in my life, I have seen Jesus do the craziest things for people. And the more I spend time around Jesus, the more often that I come up to an, an impossible situation, I look at it and I say, no, God can do anything. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. Your, your situation's impossible, God can do anything. And I think people with, with that's, that have allowed God to renew their minds have more of a perspective on what God can, can really do in an impossible situation. Okay, number three. You live in peace, <laughs> this is a good one, and you don't worry. Anybody like, would you like to have that? <laughs> you live in peace and you don't worry. I don't, I don't know why, maybe God's kind of laid this on my heart recently, but peace is a word that's been running through my mind a lot lately. Like in the way that like, I feel like people just kind of need peace right now. Whether it's what's, you know, what's going on in the world, you know, in our state, it's your school, it's your home and your family and your marriage, like whatever. I just have been getting the sense that people need a lot of peace right now. And I think that it's something that you can find, again, when we spend a lot of time with Jesus. Can you imagine just stuff, you, you got a ton of stuff next week that's like crazy, you don't know if it's going to go well or not, and you're just peaceful. Wouldn't that be so nice? And I think when we spend time with Jesus, we get that. He talks about the peace that passes understanding. Those are the moments where he gives us a little bit of that, one step at a time, one step at a time. You live in peace and you don't worry. Number five, or four. This is a good one too. You love yourself and who God created you to be. You love yourself and who created, God created you to be. One of the funnest things one of the funnest parts of ministry for me is getting to see this happen because we live in a world that actually like promotes hating yourself. Have you noticed this? Like it's stupid. Like you go on social media and every part of everything in life is telling you like you have to act different. You have to talk different. You got to wear these clothes. You got to change your body in this way. You have to have this personality. Like the world actually is like trying to tell you who to be when God actually created you to be exactly who he created you to be, right? And I've said this before, to our students at least, I'm a huge believer that you are actually the best version of you when you are living as the you that God created you to be. Does that make sense? I'm gonna say it again. You are the best version of you when you are living as the you that God created you to be. Every time. I've, every single time I've met somebody that's comfortable in their skin, they're kind of, you know, they're, they're just okay with who they are and they love themselves, those are the best people to be around. And I think what happens when we, when we spend enough time with Jesus, around Jesus, he's actually, he kind of reaffirms you, hey, you, I made you to be this way. Who cares what they think? And you start to like understand, oh, that's amazing, I love that. And this is a characteristic of a person that I think has a renewed mind. Number five. Oh, you are quick to forgive and freely give grace and mercy to others. Man, I love this one. People, listen, you know this. People that have spent a lot of time with Jesus understand one thing. I've sinned. I've screwed up. I messed it all up many times, and I'm going to keep doing it over and over and over and over and over again probably, and he keeps on forgiving, 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 forgiving me, right? <laughs> 
And people that truly, when you truly, it's like one of those things, if you really grasp that, you're like, wow. If he's forgiven me for essentially committing adultery on him, I can forgive that person that looked at me sideways. You know what I mean? And these people that, you can only give the grace and mercy to others to the extent that you've accepted the reality of how much you have it in your own life. Wow, that was good. I didn't plan on that one. For real though, the more we understand how much grace and mercy and love that God shows and gives to us, the more we are able to hand it out left and right, even when people don't deserve it, and a lot of them don't. <laughs> That's the truth. Okay, number six, you are confident and thankful. There's a big difference between confidence and arrogance, right? Arrogance says, look at me, look at me, look what I did, look what I built. Look what I, you know, just look at me. I, I, I. Confidence, I think true godly confidence says, I understand what he has given me. I, I have this business because he gave it to me. I have this ability because God gave it to me. I have people skills because God gave that to me. And because God gave it to me, I'm thankful for it and I'm going to steward it well. Big difference between confidence and arrogance. Confidence says God did it. Arrogance says I did it. And I think people that spend a lot of time with Jesus understand the, the fine line between those two things. Is I understand what God has done and I'm going to praise him and thank him for it. Lastly, number seven, you believe in others and give them the benefit of the doubt. You ever been around people that like, they're just suspicious about everybody? <laughs> don't point. <laughs> I don't. I love everybody. I don't particularly like those types of people, though. <laughs> How refreshing is it, though, to, like, you just generally, like, if I believe in Jesus, and, like, let's say Jesus and I were walking alongside each other down the road, and Jesus was like, watch out for that dude. He, I, I don't know about him. You know what I mean? I just feel like that's not something Jesus would do. I really do. I think Jesus believes the best in people and wants the best for them, and I think this type of mentality actually helps pull those things out of those types of people. These are just seven things that I wrote down. I'm sure there's many more. But the whole point is that, and I've said it about a thousand times, is that the more time we spend one-on-one -on -one with Jesus in our personal lives, the more he's actually able to, to make us more like him. And I know, well, I read through these, some of these things and you're like, yeah, I would love to be hopeful in life. Yeah, I would, love to be, I would love to have peace and not worry. Yeah, I would love to naturally give grace and mercy to people. Yeah, I would love to believe in people. And I'm telling y'all, I know it's, sometimes it's not fun to hear, but it all starts in, the, in these moments in private where we, we go to Jesus and say, God, I just wanna know you more. I didn't plan on saying this, but there's this part in the, in the story of, of David and Goliath where David is actually, he's going, he's going out and getting ready to, to kill a giant, right? And he goes to the king, Saul. And Saul's like, dude, you're 14 years old. What are you doing trying to, trying to kill a giant? And David says, no, no, no. You don't understand, Saul. I've been killing lions and bears 
while I'm, while I'm watching over my father's flock. This whole time, if a lion comes and attacks my flock, I kill it. And if a bear comes to attack, attack my flock, I kill it. And essentially what David was saying is, I actually practiced in private when no one was looking and no one cared what I'm about to go out and do in public. And I just think that, I think that what we do when no one is looking and no one cares matters a lot. Like if we want, if we truly want more, I really do. I believe that the more time we spend with Jesus, the more we get in return. And it might be this long, slow process, but day by day, we take a step, take a step, take a step, and we get closer and closer and closer to him. And it's beautiful. And there's kind of two ways I think people could respond to a message like this today. The first one is like that, that, oh man, you know, like, I I know I don't read my Bible enough and every preacher always tells me I need to read my Bible more and you know I probably will never read my Bible enough blah blah and like that's I don't that's religious and by religious I mean like that's just rule-based Christianity which I really don't think Jesus is a big fan of like what if I took my wife out for a date tonight and I'm just like you know I gotta get through it check the box you know happy wife happy life you know like <laughs> like how many of you know that doesn't actually build our relationship and I think the other and more appropriate and healthy response to, to a message like this today is, is like a, oh my goodness, the God of heaven, my father, he created everything. He's the most powerful, all-knowing being in the history of everything, wants to sit down and spend time with me. He wants to, he wants to, to talk with me. He wants to just be with me. The, he thinks about me. I think those are the sorts of things that, those are the mindset shifts that we have to start going through when it comes to like reading your Bible and praying. It's not this check it off the box list thing. It's, it's a relationship thing. Religion sucks. Relationship with Jesus freaking rocks. <laughs> I'm serious. And I, I want to read this to you. This is a it, this is a poem. It's a spoken word. It's on YouTube. You can look it up. It's called um, Why I Hate Religion But Love Jesus by, by a guy named Jefferson Bethke. And this is just the last paragraph of this. And I, I don't know, as I was preparing this message, I, I kept thinking about this. So I just want to read it to you. It says this, Now back to the point, one thing is vital to mention, how Jesus and religion are on opposite spectrums. See, one's the work of God, but one's a man-made invention. One is the cure, and the other is the infection. See, because religion says do, Jesus says done. Religion says slave, Jesus says son. Religion will put you in bondage while Jesus will set you free. Religious, religion makes you blind, Jesus makes you see. And I think this is one of those topics where all that stuff is really true. If I go into, if I read the Bible with just a check the box mentality, it's, you might as well not do it. If I pray just to be a good Christian and go to heaven someday, you missed the point, right? Because I think there's so much good that we can, we can realize and understand when we just hang out with Jesus one-on-one. -on -one. Cool? Let's pray. Lord, thanks so much for today. God, thank you for being a God that we can be in relationship with. Thank you for being a God that does miracles. Thank you for being a God that is so loving. Lord, thank you for this church. 
God, I just pray that for any, anybody in this audience today that might walk out of here today and say, you know what, I am going to try spending some time with Jesus, some more time with Jesus in my life. God, I pray that you would bless that. I pray that you would speed up the process of, of understanding and, and hearing your voice, God. I just pray that you would bless those people tremendously. And with heads still bowed and eyes closed, I just would wonder, like, maybe for you in your life, this is kind of your next step. You know, last week we asked about baptism, and maybe that was your next step when we asked back then. But today I wonder if your step, your next step is to just commit to spending some more time with the Lord. And if that's you, I just want to just take a moment right there with your heads bowed and your eyes closed just to kind of pray and say, God, I want to do this. And also, if you're here, just again, with heads bowed, eyes closed, maybe you're here today and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus for the first time. You've never accepted him into your life and your heart. I would just ask, maybe today would be that day that you would, you would do that. And so if that is you, I just want to have you really quick, just in your mind, silently, just, just pray this prayer after me. Dear Lord, I love you. Come into my life. Be Lord of my life, Jesus. Forgive me of my sins and make me like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Really quick, just still closed eyes. If that was you and you just prayed that prayer for the very first time, no one's looking around, will you just be confident enough just to stick your hand in the air really quick and just say, yes, I chose that today? Awesome, awesome. Lord, I just thank you for the people that have raised hands. God, I just pray that you'd bless them on their journey, God, and that you would, you would speak to them and, 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 and be good to them, Lord. We love you, God. This is the best church in the world. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, are you glad you came? Real quick, baptisms next week, I'm predicting 150 of them. So if you're not signed up yet, get signed up. We'll see you then. See you all.